I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast, a monthly roundtable podcast where the brothers behind threebrothersfilm.com have substantial, nuanced conversations about film. I'm your host this month, Anders Bergstrom, and I'm here with my brothers... Anton. And Aaron. My last name is the same as my brothers. And we're talking about the ongoing phenomenon of the Disney live-action remake, prompted by the recent release of Robert Zemeckis' take on the Disney classic Pinocchio, which debuted on Disney Plus streaming on September 9th. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast and reading the website. Ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify are always appreciated. We're still stuck at nine reviews on Apple, so if you haven't left us one, maybe consider pausing and doing that right now. Why not? Also, if you're one of those people who likes to use YouTube to discover things to listen to, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you can now find full episodes and clips of the show. And with that, here we go. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the eighth wonder of the world. An almost real boy. <laughs> it's no surprise that Disney keeps going back to their large and immensely popular roster of animated films from the last century to mine the deep affection that now generations of people have for those stories and characters. I mean, it's incredibly lucrative. But while at one time it was mostly relegated to direct-to-video animated sequels and spin-offs from the TV division, Beginning in the early 2010s, Disney began a project of creating live-action versions and twists on many of their classic animated properties. While there are earlier antecedents, such as the Glenn Close starring live-action 101 Dalmatians and its sequel, Patience Zero of the current tread would have to be 2010's Alice in Wonderland. While that film was a sequel, not a remake per se, it pioneered many of the elements that would become de rigueur in their practice. It had a named director in this case, Tim Burton, and featured well-known actors including Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, and Anne Hathaway. It drew on the original film for its visual inspiration and was positioned not as a cheapy direct-to-video cash grab, but a big-budget blockbuster production. And it was massively successful. Alice in Wonderland grossed over a billion dollars worldwide and set up a sequel. But most importantly, it kicked off the trend of Disney leveraging their animated properties often with brand name directors and stars, in remakes or revisions of various kinds. Alice was followed by Maleficent, a reimagining of Sleeping Beauty from the villain's point of view, starring Angelina Jolie. Then, Kenneth Branagh tackled Cinderella, in what is, to my mind, the most successful entry in this trend, even if it still fits the bill of live-action remake. After that, we begin to really push the definition of live-action, with Jon Favreau's Jungle Book and later his Lion King remake, which lacks even a human figure at the center of CGI animals and backdrops. There are remakes of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Dumbo, and Mulan, and further spin-offs like Cruella, once again drawing on 101 Dalmatians, but this time a prequel, and Christopher Robin, which tells the story of the grown-up companion to Winnie the Pooh. They're not all uniformly terrible films, but most of them leave me feeling deeply uncomfortable, irritated, or frankly bored. And that brings us to the most recent entry, Robert Zemeckis' remake of the 1940 classic Pinocchio, a film that has legitimate claim at being one of the greatest works ever produced by Disney Studio. A film that when it was first released on DVD was called not just a classic, but Disney's masterpiece. And I'd agree. I love the 1940 Pinocchio. This recent version? Not so much. It's no stretch to say I hated this film. And all that it represents is the apex, or nadir rather, of this whole conceptual project of revisioning classic animated films for contemporary audiences. It shares almost all the same features as the others. Name director? Check. Big stars? Well, Tom Hanks is still about as big as they get. But it's in the way it leans so heavily into the worst trends of the moment, the slavish dedication to the original in terms of visuals, while destroying all the grace, pacing, and thematic interest. Pinocchio is a cosplay version of the original. It's people playing dress-up, 
not really making a film. It's a simulacrum, missing the beating heart at its center. It's literal-minded and simultaneously gun-shy. It attempts to go in new directions, for instance, casting a black woman, British stage actor Cynthia Erivo, as the Blue Fairy, and then oddly downplays her role in the story. And that's not even mentioning how it reinforces stereotypes of black people as magical sidekicks. It recreates individual moments from the original, and then completely discards some of the story's key elements, like having Pinocchio be in any need of moral education at all. To top it off, it looks like garbage. The blend of CGI and live action is poorly integrated, sadly looking at times more like one of Zemeckis' early experiments in motion capture than state-of-the-art special effects. The creative team should be embarrassed. No wonder this time they shuffled Pinocchio directly to Disney Plus without a theatrical release, though it should be mentioned they did the same with Lady and the Tramp in 2019, but that was in part to support the launch of the streaming service. No such incentive existed this time. So, brothers, am I overly harsh on the film or not harsh enough? Is there anything worth salvaging from this train wreck? Has the live-action remake of Disney classics gone off the rails or should it never have left the station to begin with? Anton, I'll start with you. How representative of the Disney remake did you find Pinocchio? And does it really sum up this entire trend or is it just a particularly bad entry? With these Disney live-action remakes, I tend to waver between apathy and irritation. But with this new Pinocchio, I found myself both disgusted and basically enraged with how little it seemed to understand the point of the original Pinocchio story. Well, I think you're right that it um, it shows a lot of markers of uh, what's going on in a lot of these. Like, it shares a lot of the characteristics that a lot of these live-action remakes have. But I also think it is um, especially egregious for the way it mishandles the Pinocchio story. So... My, my problem with Zemeckis' Pinocchio is that it both just utterly ruins um, the Pinocchio story, but then also displays basically all the worst aspects of these remakes. For instance, like you sort of point out the, uh, the bizarre way that they'll replace small and minor things mm-hmm. in like um, almost to a T and then, and then just feel free to change other scenes completely or leave out things. The way they'll include certain songs but not all and then add in a new song the way that they'll um you know like the way that pinocchio falls uh when he's uh performing gets his nose stuck in the hole in the Mm -hmm. the stage like why do you have to have that and repeat that moment from the cartoon but then you like alter the ending so there's a bizarre there's something bizarre about the way that they're both slavish to minor details but then um feel free to kind of disregard to me often what the point of the actual work is yeah i mean maybe when i say cosplay i don't know aaron maybe can expand on this idea you have some thoughts on this but it's like the idea that they're putting on a a tableau of certain elements but then they're also expanding and stretching the uh the pacing of these films like it really, really distorts them. I'm like, honestly, I at this point, I'd almost love to see someone try a Gus Van Sant, you know, shot-for-shot shot remake of Psycho version of one of the cartoons. Well, maybe the, the Favreau Lion King is the closest we get to that. But Aaron, what did you think? I, I think it's a movie written by an idiot and directed by a blind man. It's, it's atrocious. It's truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it made me so angry watching it that I wanted Robert Zemeckis to immediately retire and Chris White's to be arrested. It's so atrocious. But these are people... It misses every possible ounce of me. Like, every possible thing that the original is about, it does the opposite. But then, as you guys point out, it's it's slavish to this, like, empty iconography. It's like, oh, Pinocchio is actually just a story about a boy made of pine with a big nose and a blue fairy. Like, that's the important stuff. And and, And a little cricket, which, like... Just from the first moments of this film of Jiminy Cricket coming out, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing a southern accent, which like... He's trying to sound like the original voice actor. But no, but in the original one, he doesn't have a southern accent, really. No, he He, just has that... He's got one of those like early 20th century, almost transatlantic showman voices, right? It's like he's a carnival barker, kind of. It's like he can't actually hit the accent is what it is. I'll bet a lot of you folks don't believe that about a wish coming true, do you? Well, I didn't either. Of course, I'm just a cricket singing away from hearth to hearth, but let me tell you what made me change my mind. Never understood that expression. How can you be once upon a time? Hey, who's telling this story? Me or you? 
Well, who are you? Well, I'm you, only older and wiser. Really? How'd he figure? He's atrocious when he comes out, and it's like, the CGI is just so bad. Immediately, I was like, why did you release this? Like, <laughs> like Well, maybe Mr. Meckles could use the, uh, the time machine from Back to the Future and go back and yeah. prevent do himself you, from making this. Do you think this, we're idiots? Like... I think it's a film that it almost actively has contempt, not just for the audience, which, to be fair, a lot of properties nowadays have contempt for their audience. It has contempt for the actual subject matter. Well, like, it actually, has contempt for the original story. I actually, like, I, I somewhat disagree with that statement because I actually think that this movie, um, I actually think that unlike most of the Disney remakes, that Zemeckis' version is actually a little bit sincere about what he's trying to put together. And I think he thinks in White's, uh, Chris Weitz, who wrote this, think that this is uh, a good version of, like, the story. I just think that they totally misunderstand it. In a way that I think that some of the other ones, for instance, when I watched uh, Aladdin recently, um, or Beauty, even Beauty and the Beast, they're, they're almost vapid, those ones. Like, they're, the, the way that they just sort of casually sort of remake it, and they almost just seem lazy. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I would disagree on Aladdin. I think... The Beauty and the Beast for me was more egregious in the way that it misinterpreted certain aspects of the original Disney film, at least. I mean, it's like one thing if you're going to go back to the original. Or then Aladdin, sorry. Or then, I thought Beauty and the Beast and Pinocchio both are more, uh, do more mistreatment of the original source material Mm, than Aladdin does because Aladdin is actually different enough. It actually offers its own take enough at moments that it didn't seem like they were trying to honor it, really. Yeah, it's looser, but it's just yeah. lazy but and overstuffed. Like Beauty and the Beast but. and Pinocchio both have like moments where you're like, I think you missed the point of the original Disney totally. film and why people found it so beloved at the same time that you're insisting on these little details. So to return to Aaron's comment that this the film has contempt for its audience, but I would actually disagree to some degree in that I actually think that it thinks it's giving the audiences what they want. It's not that it had contempt because of the story. It has contempt because it's such a piece of shit product. <laughs> like, finish your CGI, <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually make scenes look like they're made this decade. As like, in care for your audience yes, and quality. pay actual... It's it's like, I know you think that children's movies are, are slop, that you that you can just put like a bunch of four-year-old dummies in front of and their parents can go do things while they're not paying attention. You know, like, it's it, that it's that kind of attitude. Of course, the, the storytellers think that they're probably trying to make some kind of meaningful story. It's not like Zemeckis is like a callous person. So as far as I think, I think he's probably overly earnest in his filmmaking and that's what some of his shortcomings come from. But, but, what, but the just, it's like... Why would you put this out? Yeah, well, what this movie's not done. Here? It's not well, that, done. Well, that's a what question, right? Like, so, but maybe even the bigger question is why do people keep, you know, watching this? I mean, we watched it in part because I thought it'd be an interesting conversation. We've, I've seen some, but not all of the Disney live action films, and I always consistently, like I said in the keynote, I, I leave with this at the at best a sense of unease about uh, the way that we're trading on iconography. I mean, this is more than. Easter eggs or sequels. This is literally films that are ostensibly for adults to share with their children, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to literally repeat beat for beat the 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 key things. I mean, why not just go back and watch the original so animated film? Th- right? Why make something new only to make money? But two, the there's this idea though that at times that you have to like update the story that yes. to contemporary social mores. And you know, that that can be done, but you can't do both at the same time, right? Like, I'm actually much more interested, for instance, in now contrasting, it's not a Disney film, but Guillermo del Toro has another Pinocchio coming out at Christmas time for Netflix that is going back to Kaladi's original story and, and trying something different, right? So it'll be really interesting to see so how that like you can go back to the source material and but they're not you know, they're not doing that. The so the source material for these movies is not Kaladi's uh, Pinocchio. It's not the Grimm's fairy tales. The source for these movies is the the original animated Disney. Right. And what these films are doing as a project, I think, like I think, cosplay is a is a good metaphor for aspects of it. The way it um, the way it 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 seems to be um, like an unreal remake, right? Like, but it is also this, indulges is this its own the thing, or is this something that's more to... about? So I think that the, the other aspect of cosplay, and I, you know, I'm not in trying to insult cosplayers here. <laughs> if any, we have any listeners, it's, but there is a sense in which the cosplayer is attempting to 
enter into and take yes. part in, right? It's a pati- and it's participatory yeah. in in the thing that they love, in the film that they love. And I think that that's part of what's going on in these. The way that I think but they're often they shape framed the story as the way they parents. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's parents, fan fiction. It's totally. fan fiction. It's parents who uh, watch these when they were kids and they want to re-experience the original. But you can't re-experience the original. So we're giving you a new a new updated version to re-experience. But then I think the other thing it reminds me of is like when they, at Christmas time, sometimes have like these sound of musical, uh, sorry, uh, sound, sound of music. Yeah. They have these sound of music, like TV specials or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's kind of what these feel like to me, where it's like it want to hit a bunch of the, the same beats enough that the audience who knows the original is like, oh, yeah, like it's they're still doing Pinocchio. But then at the same time, it has to do something a little bit different. But then it also shows Disney's deep uncertainty about like their catalog where they both want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to think that there's problematic aspects of their past material, but then they also still want to make money off of it, so they want to update it. So to me, it just it symbolizes everything that's wrong with Disney right now. And I, I just ultimately kind of wish these movies didn't exist. It's not, it's not that, like, at the end of the day, I'm just like, I just don't want these to be made. Yeah, there's, there's literally nothing Bennett, like, gained. Well, what's gained is billions of dollars. No, no, that's I mean, in terms of of meaning, in terms of meaning or artistry or storytelling, there's nothing gained. And I actually think one of I part of the cynicism of the project like this is that I don't think Disney's actually being forthright in you know quote unquote um, updating the material to modern mores. I think they are they are literally like diversity casting it as a means of backstopping against critics. So they say if anybody criticizes it, they're a racist or something. It's like, but it, the joke is that by putting Cynthia Erivo as the black, as the uh, the blue fairy, it's like you've got a black person who's magical, who's in it a tiny bit just to be like, I'm going to sprinkle my fa- fairy dust and And leave. they make her less But also they like cut out. Yes. Ex- there should be two more scenes where we. She's see less powerful, less important. When, when she shows up, she does. They make it so she like doesn't understand really what happened. Is like an accident. Like, it, but also like, why was, cut that role down? I actually thought I know Arivo was actually she can sing. She's yeah. fine. You know, like you could have made like, her. You could have actually made that interesting. It's like so they actually undercut. This is what I say where it's like they're literal minded but gun shy because as you say, Aaron, it's all about just trying to uh, you know serve different. Uh, you know, critical well, it's and they just, audience no, they, needs it's, rather than actually trying to do something interesting and daring with the material. It's not and they do this with critical. Pleasure Island where they can't even... Oh, yeah, the kids can't even drink so beer. So at, the, on, at the same time, <laughs> you, you take out, like... So you don't you want to have a story where it's like, you know, Pinocchio has to learn to be good. But, but then, he, like, he you don't even let yeah. him do anything wrong. We're so not going to actually have an expression of what's bad. We're not so going to even put that in Pinocchio Like, he's drinking root beer, not beer. He has to right? drink root He's beer. not smoking. So not He's smoking. not smoking. He's just breaking some stuff. He's not like doing crimes. <laughs> like So this is why maybe Pinocchio is so emblematic of this issue, right? It's because Pinocchio in less, even less, even, you know, less so in the, the cartoon than he is in the original story by Claudi, but he's still a kind of a bad kid, right? He like, he does bad things. He lies. He doesn't he's lie. He's incredibly in naive order in, to, the, in the Yeah, he's, he's naive. He is But he's naive. impulsive too. He's he impulsive. just follows he's whatever people tell him. And he, he does, and like him and the other boys on Pleasure Island actually do, oh wait, also, you know, now girls can be bad on Pleasure Island, which sure, fine, but none of them are doing anything bad. They're actually yeah. like just having fun as kids. I'm like, this deserves punishment? So it's, it's ironically both like you won't let your characters, you know, actually be bad and learn anything they already have to have all their moral let, lessons pre-learned you, let the coach you, you be won't bad even like evil like it's actually also though kind of like twisted to like if you won't let the characters actually be bad the punishments are even more twisted and messed up yeah it is but because it becomes arbitrary but also just like think about the scene where the coachman convinces them in this film in as opposed to the original it's not just come you can do whatever you want allow your and you know sick of adults telling you what to do your parents telling you what to do come and just let exactly unleash it here the coachman has to bully him and cajole him and sing a whole grand song about peer pressure and like it's it's that it's because they've essentially robbed pinocchio of any actual character or agency or desire or motivation in this actual so in in the story version so as an actual story he's not allowed to wander off the path because there's no this pinocchio is a blank like there's nothing to him well, kids, 
It seems we have a doubter in our midst. A killjoy who apparently doesn't believe in having fun. I mean, who doesn't believe in transformative experiences? <laughs> Shall we all turn tail and go running back to Mummy and Daddy? No! Look, you kids go. I'll go another time. Oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. It's only peer pressure, unless you're not a peer. He's not allowed to make the choice to go. He's, he's, he can only be peer pressured, right? Yeah. In order to do it. So again, you're right. He, he doesn't actually get like the, the, the moral choice to do the wrong thing and actually go through the moral story. Because like, so Pinocchio, beyond makes no sense. It's meaningless. all of the Disney films, is the, it's, 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 a moral it's a moral fable. It's interested in what, what is goodness, um, how do you like achieve that in your life? But then this this movie, it just like it totally misunderstands that. Weirdly, the Pleasure Island sequence though is the one moment where you have something resembling a sort of Zemeckis uh, a tour touch in that the the roller coaster stuff kind of reminds yeah. me of something he's been doing in his last like you know Christmas Carol and yeah. the uh, long extended Polar shot Express, where you, you get like, like uh, shots of, yeah. you get sort of the, which, the the theme park ride sort of scene which to me then is like oh the, at the very least that could have been in theater so you could have it in three D. <laughs> Right? Like, come on. Like, there's just literally, like, no. nothing here. If I had to pay more Tom money for this, I, mean, I would have been, like, People who made in. fun of Tom Hanks for Elvis, they should uh, apologize, because this is <laughs> Well, no way. Tom Hanks is pretty bad in this movie. That's No, what I'm saying is that people who said he was bad in Elvis, it's like, you ain't oh, seen yeah, nothing yeah. yet. You know, like, Elvis is at least a, uh interesting and uh, eccentric role. This he, is he's, uh, just bland and nothing. Like He's so bad in the first... Um, like, I thought there was something wrong with, like, my sound mix on my TV because I was like, I can't hear anything that Geppetto's saying in this, like, song where he's not really singing. He's kind of, like, whispering it. And with his, like, his fake Italian accent, um, it's just, like... It, you can't... It's, like, inaudible. And he's just like... And it's like, what's going on? I may never find... Memory may hold the key. The feeling how I felt when he was here with me. Well, I just, I think we like, it might be worthwhile pointing out just some of the ways that this movie actually missteps on like, mm -hmm. in, in terms of relation to the original and the meaning of the actual work, because we've talked about it misses the meaning, but like, yeah, let's, let's explain. Let's expand upon sure. that. Yeah. The ending of this movie in the final <laughs> scene has Jiminy Cricket be like, he was a real boy all the time because he was real inside. And, and he, he learns no lesson and he never transforms. And it's like, then what was the whole bloody quest about? <laughs> Why did I watch this movie if there's no lesson to be learned? Um, Pinocchio is the same at the end as he is at the beginning. Geppet he doesn't save his dad from the whale. He's actually just a replacement for Geppetto's dead son. Or like, he's literally a puppet possessed by... Like, there's yeah. a suggestion in the way the beam goes through the picture and then enters the puppet that literally the soul of his dead son inhabits. So again, that's that literal mindedness, right? Like, it can't just be that Geppetto is a lonely old man who creates a child as a substitute for, uh, you know, companionship as opposed to the animals that he has around him, he has to be this person who, in some vague sense, experienced a trauma of losing a child. Uh, but then he, it's never explored at all. It's just like... So it actually cheapens that. In doing that, it, that also... Um, it displays these di li these Disney live-action remakes. They often do sort of like a fill-in-the-blank. Mm -hmm. So anything that's unstated in the original film... And the original films are often so tight, right? We're talking yep. about like anywhere between 70 minutes and an hour and a half. And to fill that out, they often just take any motivation that is unclear. They'll f f spell that out in the most, you're right, literal-minded way. So... Again, why is why was Geppetto making um, a puppet uh, that looks sort of like a boy? And, and so they have to literally create this sort of backstory to fill in any any ambiguities and be like, well, he had a family, he had a son, and the son died, so thereby he wants it. So it telegraphs all the emotions and puts them in a nice little box rather than keeping it unclear. Because I've always thought, looking back, I recently rewatched. I actually rewatched the original Pinocchio before I saw the new one, so the contrast was heightened. But in the original one, one thing that I struck, was struck by was that Geppetto is, um, he's not like a great father. He loves his boy, but he's very, um, he's very foolish. And there, you get the sense that, you know, like, you, you know, you... It, 
when watching the movie on a you know for a second, a third, a fourth time, you start to wonder like why doesn't Geppetto have a family? Is you know is he just sort of like this foolish sort of toy maker and he just was never able to have a wife and like things like that? Mm-hmm. And so he just plays with his little toys and he you know and then when he actually has this uh, this toy boy, the wooden boy, like. He, you know, he foolishly just sends him out on the second day to go to school without any sense that maybe he should, like, take him Because that's just what you do. That's what you should do, but then also, like, he's just silly about it. Um, but this has to turn everything into these sort of... Not only does it give it sort of, like, this um, traumatic background, but they use that as a... Sh- like, they use that as, as the shortcut to try to elicit more emotion. And then at the same time, it actually just cheapens everything, and they don't earn the real emotion. Right, because if you're going to The original Pinocchio has so much emotion. If you're going to introduce those kinds of elements, you have to do something with it. Instead, it's dropped in as, like, lore, if I can say that, as opposed to actual character building. Because character is simply now accumulation of lore. It is not actually a... uh, you know, development or a overcoming of uh, circumstance and challenge and, and things like that, right? Yeah. Or, or it's not embodied in what we do, but rather what has happened to us and, and these kind of... Like, it's just... So, like, to me, the worst thing was... The, when I got to that ending, Aaron, that you mentioned, and it's like, oh, well, actually... So, in the end, Pinocchio did prove himself brave, honest, and unselfish. And since then, many stories have been told about him. People say he was transformed into an honest-to-goodness real boy. Did that actually happen? Who knows? But I do know one thing for sure. In his heart, Pinocchio is as real as any real boy could ever be. Oh my goodness, the sapping of the magic. This I don't understand why that choice. I wanted I guess... to go through the screen like and enter into the uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit world and dump Jiminy Cricket in the goo and just melt him. Then I'll try him, convict him, and execute him. I, I think that the ending actually, what I, what I, when it comes back to like, I don't think that this movie is necessarily lazy the, the way I think some of the other Disney remakes is. So Chris Weiss as like an ad, as an adapter is kind of remarkable for making some extraordinarily bad choices. Mm-hmm. So his Golden Compass, um, <laughs> yeah, screenplay re-alter it essentially takes like the, the book is like in three parts and it swaps the second part for the third and like flip flops their arrangement and it just totally messes the whole thing up. And it, it, it's it's both ambitious, but it's like astonishing for how bad like that ambitious choice was. And uh, to me, like in this Pinocchio, it's like they think that they they're getting at the heart of the story. Like I actually think that Zemeckis and Whites think that they're getting at the heart of the story. And the problem is that they totally misunderstand it. Pinocchio becomes a real boy through action and agency, through doing the things he needs to do. And they totally misunderstand this, and they think that reality is uh, an inward, innate thing. So it doesn't matter what Pinocchio does. It matters only what he um, felt deep down. That, and that's your ultimate reality is what you feel deep down. And therefore, he and can't it, actually it, To me, do that sums bad. up. That sums up so much about, you know, 21st century culture versus when the original Pinocchio was made. But it also just totally misunderstands why would you have a story about a wooden boy wanting to become real. And, why, you know, because the question is like, oh, isn't he real before? No, he's wood. He's pine. You know, he's, he's, wa- he's, he's wooden. He's walking around. He's, he seems to be sort of alive. And the fairies always sort of like, well, you're not quite a real boy yet. Right. And what, what is required, it's not that you need flesh and blood, it's that you actually need to be an agent who lives and does things. And know right and wrong. And mm-hmm. know right and wrong and be truthful. And, and doing good things actually makes you more real. The boys become less real. They become the donkeys the animals, yeah. on the pleasure island. The stupid little boys, as the coachman says, and that they cut out that line. I'm collecting stupid little boys. Stupid little boys. You know, the disobedient ones. What play you give them school? Oh. That's through their action and their age. And so that is the inside becoming out in that sense. I mean, in a a way that that's the ending also in the original with Pinocchio is it's the things that he has built up on the inside 
then are reflected on the outward reality because of what he's learned over the course of this adventure. And he learns. He learns. Exactly. He learns. But so the the two things that I found, like, kind of summed up this movie for me, be like before the ending and before, you know, we haven't even touched on Monstro being like a sea monster and not a whale (laughs) and Geppetto not being stuck in there like Jonah. So there's no need to rescue Papa from the whale. There's no this descent into the depth of no belly of the beast. You, 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 uh, you've archetype. lost an opportunity no. to have mythic depth in the story. So it's it's the addition of an original character, the um, Fabiana, the puppeteer who's got the you know Marionette, crooked yeah. leg. Yeah, and, and so she has the puppet by, dance yeah, for Kian her. Kian yeah. Lamea plays her, and so she uses her little ballerina puppet to and kind of befriends Pinocchio and then through the puppet yeah yes through the, through the puppet and for some baffling reason the movie essentially starts equating her as a disabled person with Pinocchio who is made of wood and it's just like oh. it's kind of this weird well-meaning thing but it's like if you think about it for any second you're like wait a second are you saying that the girl who can't be a ballerina because her leg can't go straight is the same as like a literal piece of wood that's been made real it's like they're both real in the same way because they believe in their heart that they are what they are it's like no the one thing is literally pine constructed by an old italian man and the other is like a person like yeah it, her, it's, her, it's, her physical disability somehow makes her less real akin yeah. to the wooden it's and it's one you know, of those yeah. things of trying Again. to deepen uh, and relevance oh, but they're actually they're trying missing to add, they're it actually, so hard or not even just missing it it's it's actually becomes like deeply offensive in yes. its effort to uh you know appeal to this this notion it's this notion of it has to like speak to the moment and then the other moment is it's it's in that sequence and it's the moment that i realized that like oh wait this movie has no interest in him learning right from wrong but it also has no actual understanding of right and wrong and it's not interested in telling the children that are ostensibly watching this movie with their parents who watched the original uh what is good and what's bad yeah and it's when pinocchio's nose grows really long yeah. and for some reason allows him to escape stromboli it's Lying, like kids lying will help you get out yeah lying will help situations. you escape the bad things well, it's, there's no more lesson there how do you so, and it also reverse the need it. for the blue fairy to come and rescue him at that how, how does it how do you yeah so one they get rid of any um blue fairy interventions after the first which is mm-hmm. weird because they're like maybe we don't want like a deus ex machina coming in here well but why then but you had the blue fairy in the first scene why have her in the first place so it, yeah you ruin the opportunity for the blue fairy but then also so he uses the nose to get out but then he's able to easily erase anything and his uh his choice to lie by just simply saying i'm sorry yeah to, to shrink his nose and it to me like that was just like wow like talk about like our the thinning down of sort of like right and wrong to like oh i, did I don't even oh, believe that we actually believe that it's like in a fake society, i'm sorry it's the fake i'm sorry it's the fake i'm sorry it's just but, like but you just also, have like, to say why would he say apologize it's the reason he got away from stromboli you know what i mean like in the oh, construction yeah, yeah, of the story there's that, no yeah. reason for him to apologize it's like it's uh, like well, a, the only reason is he doesn't want to walk around with a long nose but. yeah it's his superpower he can use it to do escape <laughs> oh, it, no the movie is like oh man i i, also, I, I also hate that the, i watched this movie i hate yeah. i just hate it i'm sorry I it so much sorry. And, but then like so like and then tries to have a moment right like to to speak to like difference and they throw him out of the classroom like it's just very quick but they sort of throw him out and be like there's no wooden boys in here and you're like the weird thing is that you're like again it's getting at like it doesn't seem to understand that like pinocchio is a bizarre world where there's a fox and a cat who yeah. walk around <laughs> yeah. and no one comments on that i, I will they say just seem to be part of want, the world i did want yeah. to say that uh keegan michael key as uh Honest John is the best part of the movie. But I, I thought his voice work was quite good. What I didn't like was that the animation of him was overdone. Something yeah, yeah. about like they overdid his like teeth in his fox. So it's almost hard to watch his fingers and his teeth. They're like they're, there's too much animation going on. Like they're, the movements. But his vo- actual voice work was nice. Well, well, quite the scholar, I see. A man of letters. I presume you're on your way to lecture at the Science Academy? No, I'm going to school so I can learn a bunch of stuff to be a real boy and make my father proud. A real boy? Why on earth would you want to be real when you can be famous? It's a weird comment to make, but because um, I can't back it up and it's very technical, but like, I almost feel like uh, he was animated at like a high frame rate. And then plopped in a movie at a normal frame rate because he looks like something out of a vi- like a sixty frames video game or something mm, or or even yeah. like an you know a James Cameron or or ha- the Hobbit or something like it's 
there is some weird texture and um, the presentation of those graphics within the world is constructed and even compared to the other CGI because the CGI is like better, you know, like in terms of realism than the other CGI in the movie. Yeah. For honest I thought him and Gideon were the best, the probably the best done. But it's weird. It doesn't sit. You're right. It's better, but it doesn't fit with what's around it. And especially like, as you like, nobody notices that it's a fox. Well, it's just the sort of thing where like, if you're going to have people comment on sort of like, the wooden puppet and you're yeah. different get out of here it's weird that you're like you just don't you're essentially what you're doing is you're ignoring the fact that this is like a fairy tale i get what they're trying to do there they do again they do it in a in, in a little gesture to try to sort of have this gesture of sort of uh comments on difference and how we treat people but then they don't really invest in that to any proper extent but then it also just it it, it gets away from this whole idea that this is like a fairy tale world and there and there's a and there's an island that's rumored you know people the coachman takes people there and there's a giant whale that attacks ships just off and like none of this really makes sense and pinocchio and the cricket can breathe underwater i guess pinocchio's wooden in the the animated but like jimmy cricket can breathe underwater it's a fairy tale it's not it's not yeah. supposed to be real in that sense and they actually rob some of the other characters then of their sort of fairy tale mythic evil say like like stromboli is not actually as like greedy and no they just like make him bad. a drunk they make him a drunk not a willful um uh, exploiter and i actually thought yeah. that was fascinating because one thing when i was re-watching was that um stromboli in the old one i was like whoa what a like a fearsome idea of like um the showman who like it exploits the the their performers yeah you lose you know because you know last fall we were really into like the nightmare alley the the old and the new one and stuff like that idea of show business and the like greed and manipulation of others and pinocchio would have an opportunity for that but they didn't do anything with in, it in then in the seaside pub um when in the in the cartoon when um honest john is chatting with the coachman and the coachman kind of like morphs in a moment into like the devil like his face yeah, yeah. is just like so terrifying it scares you as a kid you like jump back pleasure island but the law suppose they no no, there's no risk. They never come back as boys. <laughs> but that's what you can do in animation that the whole... So but I the coachman's say, so like, evil, right, in that one. He's so evil. And here he's just like a guy here, who like, convinces uh, Luke, Luke you Evans, the song him, and dance. You know, he's kind of reprising his Gaston from Beauty and the yeah, Beast a little bit. Yeah. Who's, who, again, you know, he's pretty good in Beauty and the Beast. But Yeah, I like Luke Evans just generally. But. Yeah, but... Like, miscast but what it but what it, it get it gets at the limitations of this quote live action and like you actually lose some of the charm and the expressiveness and the artistry of those disney so like little moments like that that you note in the original pinocchio are what pushes that film you know over the top in terms of like entering into like it's it's more than just a fairy tale it's like it's like disney was putting our dreams up on the screen, our nightmares too, right? And he was yes. allowed to do that. Like, think even, like, the original Snow White and, like, the forest scene and stuff like that. Like, there's a darkness to some of those films that just you couldn't the queen, do now. The queen and kicks yet, the skeleton that she's been, like, starving in her dungeon. Like, there's just, like, moments there that are terrifying for little kids. They sanitize these ones. Are there any... Uh, you know, which, what do you think are the best bits in these? Like, we mentioned how bad this is, but... Um, I mentioned that, you know, I didn't mind Luke Evans in uh, Beating the Beast, even though I, I didn't really like that film and its take on the the Disney classic uh, from the Renaissance era. But um, what, do you th- what are some of the best Disney? Aaron Anton, I followed up on and watched Cinderella based on your recommendation. I think that's easily the best one that I've seen, in part because it is not trying to do... I mean, it does. It has, like, it kind of gestures to, like, the talking mice and the, like, things like that. But... It isn't as a beat-for-beat beat remake, and it avoids some of the more egregious sort of cosplay elements in that sense. So what I what I think that the Cinderella is far and away the best of the live-action remakes, and I think it's the only one that rivals or perhaps uh, is even better than the original. When I rewatched um, the old Cinderella, like it, I still think it's good. I just don't think it's one of the Disney animated masterpieces. What I what I really like about Brana is that he understands the fairy tale world, and so he creates a a live action world where we believe um, that mice can interact with humans without becoming um, hyper real cartoons, and that's something he achieves. In it. and he can have a a, a coachman. Um, that was uh, made by a lizard, you know, a transform a transformed lizard, who's one of my favorite characters in that. 
and that becomes hilarious and interesting. But again, it he he's created sort of um, a live action fairy tale feel to it. It doesn't feel like a a mix mash of like hyper real um, CGI attempts to have sort of real cartoon stuff attempts to have like actual live action with people and they don't really know what the tone like you know like the animal movies all these they're like is this a movie that i'm supposed to be convinced that these are real animals is this animated what is going on here um brana creates like a believable world and he also captures the feel of the fairy tale partly because his production design is exceptional in that film the the way king yeah, blanche dress, that dresses dress, you know, that, um, that cinderella's dress um the, the even the chateau that she lives in with her with her stepmother and brana respects i mean this is coming from someone who's dealt with shakespeare so he understands how to deal with with subject matter how to update it as you will and but updating in the sense of how do you speak to a contemporary audience in order to revitalize the power of the original, not because you think that there's deficiencies in the original that have to be corrected. Yeah, that's so what to me, point. it's still, like it's still doing Cinderella. A it gets that Cinderella's about patience. Stage, you know. A new staging of a Shakespeare play yeah. than it is yes. like, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. And, and it doesn't alter what Cinderella's consistent about. Consistent tone, tonal consistency, uh, consistently, he gets a similar kind of feel from his actors and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I would Cinderella's agree with that. about it, Cinderella's about patient endurance, and this is not like a common theme we have today, and he had the guts to actually still make the fairy tale about that. Patient endurance of suffering. Yeah, about that C- Cinderella doesn't fight back ever. She wins out in the end because of her goodness that she kindness lives out and courage. each day. <laughs> kindness yeah. and courage is what the lesson is. But like, I mean, going back to, to the beginning of these remakes, like I hated Alice in Wonderland oh, it's so with bad. like Johnny Depp. Like it's, an ugly it's movie. It, it, it's in my mind. It stays there. It's one of those movies where you're watching. I saw it at the theater. I, I think it was in Thailand. I saw it in theaters, but like I just remember like you know like you almost have an out of body experience at some point in like a really bad movie at a movie theater, and you start <laughs> to be like, why am I here? Like what am I watching? Is this actually this bad? Like what's going on? Did either of you see the Tim Burton's uh, Dumbo? I did no. not, and I was curious. I didn't. Did you? I, I watched it, and it's not good. It's sad. I was I was hoping it's because got I actually Keaton, think right? even yeah, him did it has great cast. Stuff? Keaton, so, Colin Farrell. Uh, like it's it's Jen, Danny DeVito. It's it's you know it's really promising in a lot of those things. Again, playing with the carnivalesque and this all that sort of yeah circus stuff. Um, you'd think it'd be expanding, but it ends up going in like really bizarre directions. It has a sort of uh, neg. It's all a negative Disney World kind of like theme park that it ends up oh, going weird. toward. It it expands it quite a bit in that sense. It, well, the original is different. Is almost not, the original is very short, almost so like seventy long. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. 65 minutes, I think. Well, remember, but, uh, because in the original film, original Disney, right, like the, the lore is that he spent so much money on Pinocchio and Fantasia that he had to reduce the budgets and the length for Dumbo, and that's why the animation is a is a drop-off. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the other things about the original It looks more Pinocchio. like a long, silly symphony than those earlier features. And I, I do actually really like the original Dumbo. I know you're not quite as uh, enamored I of like it. it. I, don't, I, I like it. I like it. I find it very touching. Um, it's it's oh, it's perhaps oh. sentimental, but it's also overwhelmingly devastating, the Baby Be Mine sequence. Yeah, and it the, this portrayal of the, the carnival is Yeah, the new scary. film shifts the focus quite prominently to the human characters. So. But like, so the original Pinocchio is so beautifully done too. It, it has so much love for Gorgeous. the craft of filmmaking. Oh man. The craft he of He managed to do a tracking in zoom shot with yes. cell animation. It's, it's just like... It's truly one of the greatest shots in cinema history. The fact that it's in an animated film and it has that like picture perfect watercolored cell, but then it like... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it. it's a perfect cinema fa- fantasy that we're entering into this magical world that is going to allow us that to understand our, ourselves Italian better. Village, yeah. And the care and attention to each of the wooden um, creations. Yeah. Japan, oh, man. And in the new Pinocchio, they have to make all the like uh, like <sighs> Easter eggs. I, I won't even call them Easter eggs because they're so obvious and ridiculous, like a Pixar clock and a yeah. other Disney clocks. See, like, oh. so here, can, I'm just going to go on a little tangent here before I, I get to the actual answer about these which of these live action movies like but it's do you not think that there's something deeply ironic and troubling and cynical and kind of disgusting about disney the greatest animation studio in the world essentially saying that we think that there's no value in simply returning to animation and just going back to it that the story is somehow not cannot be left alone because it is not real until Mm. we make it Mm. either Real people or CGI. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I actually think Walt Disney 
would be rolling in his grave, like the, because of this movie. His frozen I, I feel body like he would have been just be if it wasn't <laughs> frozen. If no, no, exactly. Frozen, That's what could, I said. Would have, <laughs> but like he he poor. It's so obvious. Like despite yes, Disney's ultimately a business person. He's ultimately an American magnet. That is the thing that is exceptional about him. He's a showman. But he also was an artist, and I think we overstate yeah. the other aspects, and especially when Disneyland starts and the parks, about how much he oversaw those early animated films. Those early animated ones are so beautiful. And Pinocchio was his passion project. It is the one he poured all the resources into from the studio into. If Pinocchio had failed, he would have the studio would have collapsed. And honestly, like, if you just take like Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia. There would never be any talk of this guy being a crash commercialist because they are truly some of the most interestingly artistic works ever. Fantasia's a two-hour experimental movie about classical music for kids. Like, yeah. well, it's some so ambitious. strange, weird sequences there. But even Pinocchio, it's allowed it to be dangerous and scary, and it is enamored with the possibility of what a person can do with paint and 24 frames. Like, it's... It is so enamored of that. And even the fact that, like, they own Pixar. They make yeah. animated movies currently. I know they don't make two deme- uh, 2D hand-drawn ones anymore, but they still clearly put some passion and care into a movie like Frozen or into the Pixar movies. And I, I can't help but, like, think that the artists who work on those movies see the way that Disney casually just, like, steps on their painting, like, steps on the beauty and work of these actual artists these animation artists for a crass buck and is like yeah nothing's sacred for this company like <laughs> I, i'm it, waiting for when they start doing live action versions of those movies you know you have to have a live action frozen and a live action encanto well they basically and, did a live action buzz Lightyear, basically right like they already it, can't and, help themselves from really doing one of one Pixar's level of reality to one level of mistakes, reality right? and no but it's it's just like do they not realize the thing that they make like Kill the golden, you know, it's it's killing the hen, the, the goose that lays the golden egg. It's like you are known for your beautiful animation. Why do you have such contempt for it? Well, the, it's, this is the epitome of, their, of of being stuck in franchise world. So they, 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 they cannot conceive of anything beyond what they already own. And so the goal isn't to do anything new anymore. The goal is simply to repurpose and use the content. Repurpose and reuse the content. And they will keep doing this until it becomes unprofitable, which is part of the reason why I get so annoyed by these live action remakes, by how they make billions of dollars. Because my thing is just that, at the end of the day, like, if you want to enjoy watching Aladdin or The Jungle Book, like, I thought The Jungle Book was passable. I thought Beauty and the Beast was passable. What I mean is that, like, I'm not fixated and really bothered by those films. But at the end of the day, I would just be happier if they did not exist. They're not the kind of films that, like, bother me the way that Alice in Wonderland, to me, is just, like, horrible, disastrous. And then, you know, uh, Pinocchio just totally doesn't get it. Um, I I haven't seen a couple, which I I was curious to see. I haven't seen Mulan. Um, I haven't seen Lady and the Tramp. And I always heard that the original Maleficent was interesting. I'm not, as, as probably people listening can tell, I'm not a huge person on, like, revisionary fairy tales. But I'm intrigued to see um, uh, Maleficent at some point. I'll track it down. Um, Cruella, I also heard, was kind of interesting. At least the costumes. Yes, the Simpsons have come a long way since an old drunk made humans out of his rabbit characters to pay off his gambling debts. Who knows what adventures they'll have between now and the time the show becomes unprofitable. But I, what I don't get is the... Uh, I actually think one of the weirdest things is the Lion King in the, uh, in the Jungle Book. I just think that they're strange conceptually. Like, I can't understand what they are because it's like what we've arrived at the stage where, like, the, uh, like, the CGI animated to look real is, like, more real than real things. Like, that is what we think real realness is. It's a very weird thing because you're like, is this an animated movie? Like, these things are no. singing. The Lion King, so I, I think I'm the only one of us who saw it. So I th- The Lion King is one of those, um, it's a soulless remake, but, like, there's nothing wrong with it because it's literally identical. Like, is it the most identical? It is, no, it's, it's not just identical. It's shot for shot. So it's like it's like the Gus Van Sant psycho. Yes, like, it's like the Gus Van Sant. Oh, it, it, it literally is oh. just like the opening sequence, Circle of Life. You know, one of the all-time great musical sequences. Yeah. yeah, is shot for shot. Each camera angle is identical, and so what it actually wow. like you know it's different voices and different animation, but that's oh, really man. it. And so my approach to it was like the movie only is affecting in how it plays on our affection for the original. 
and it does not stand on its own as all, and it does not make sense to have hyper-realistic animation for a musical. So what I'm left with thinking is, is that it's essentially a reskin for like a video game where you get... <laughs> No, but like, so yeah. I've, you know, yeah. I'm notorious for this. I buy HD remasters or I buy the 4K upgrade. Like, I love yeah. Halo. And I bought the Anniversary Editions and the Master Chief Collection because I wanted the, you know, the upgraded graphics at 60 frames on my Xbox One of Halo yeah. 2, my favorite game ever. And so <laughs> maybe this is the reference point to somewhat understand this phenomenon because, right, video games have been doing that all the way back to playing um, Super Mario All-Stars updating, right, the original... Uh, what is it, uh, 8-bit to 16-bit? Yeah. I'm getting that right? Yeah, so it, it's just a... It's an it's like a special edition, but it's not actually its own thing. On a semiotics level, then it becomes like... So it's not even a thing in and of itself. It's merely a, like a no. sign pointing to something else. And the only meaning it, it is holds truly is... truly a simulacrum in the Baudrillardian sense. Yeah, in which so the, the only thing it is, like is, is its referentialness is the only is value that, it holds, yeah. right? The map yeah. and the territory or both. Yeah. So how does... Okay, yeah. But it's not like bad. It's like they all know what they're doing, and Donald Glover is a good singer and stuff. Like, and you, and you know they're making uh, Lion live action Lion King two, Mufasa, directed by Barry at Academy. Are Ryan, they redoing? You know, like, Jen- are they redoing the animated one? No, I don't know. It's a it's a going to be directed by Barry Jenkins, who made Moonlight. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Barry Jenkins, what's going on, man? I mean, he's on Twitter too much. That's the problem. The uh, then they doing the bag, they're man. doing Aladdin two again. Like there was those animated Aladdin two and I hope it's Return of <laughs> yeah, Return of Jafar is not that bad. And the third one brought the third Aladdin movie brings back Robin Williams' genie. And it, yeah, I was like, oh, like my boys were watching that, um, the third Aladdin. So it was like, you know, Disney Tunes directed a DVD or yeah. probably VHS. So we know at the that time. Disney, they, they've got a few that are coming over in the next two years uh, that are already announced and have release dates. So Little Mermaid, we don't even get into that. The Twitter discourse right now is deranged. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy. <laughs> In 2023, uh, a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs film in 2024 from Mark Webb, featuring Rachel Zegler from uh, West the New West Side Story, and uh, then Barry Jenkins' Mufasa Lion King. They've announced, but with no release dates, Hercules, Aladdin sequel, Jungle Book sequel, Hunchback. I'm like, oh man, that could be insane. A Cruella sequel, a Tinkerbell movie, Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood, Bambi. What? Everything? Yeah, Bambi, the Aristocats. And we're going all the way to remaking 2002's Lilo and Stitch. So what, you're just making E.T. <laughs> in Hawaii. But yeah, this is, like I said, this, there's no end to this in sight. I think wow. we just have to officially all stop watching these movies. Yeah. Like, that's the only option. Yeah. Because so the bad reviews are useless. It says we can't ever watch another This one. will be our last podcast. Yeah, you know, like Nope, which we did last time. You just can't look. Those just don't look. Don't look. Or the monster will eat you. Like, that's the rule. I don't think they take you. If you don't look at it. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast, and we hope to have you listen again next month. Take care. Goodbye, Mr. Bowman. I bid you farewell. <laughs>